Welcome to Let's Parent on Purpose. This is a podcast for parents who are intentionally building kids who will build the kingdom of God. My name's Jay Holland. I want to thank you for joining us today as I have this special interview with my longtime friend and partner in the ministry, Jenny Price. If you like what you hear today and want to review some of it, you can check out the highlights of the show notes at letsparentonpurpose.com. All right. Hey, Jenny. It's good to have you here. Uh, this is my good friend. I think we've known each other now for about a decade yep. and partner in the ministry, uh, Jenny Price. How are you, Jenny? Very good. Thank good. you. Jenny, let's let's just jump in. Why don't you go ahead and give a two-minute bio overview of who you are and what your life's like? Okay. I am a pastor's wife, married 26 years. I have five kids, three of them by birth, natural normal natural births two with um adoption through foster care and i get to do ministry here at the church and also have chosen to work outside of the home and do ministry in the secular world by coaching and just wrapped up fitness work that i did for about 23 years so you do fitness coaching and then on top of that uh, and actually way more so now you're into what kind of coaching? Leadership, personal development coaching. Oh, okay. Yeah. And you like that? I love it. Great. It's a great way to make some money to pay for three kids to be in college and a wedding <laughs> that we just paid for. Fantastic. That's that's terrifying to have. <laughs> like, it sounds really good to have all the kids together when they're little, and then yeah. all of a sudden when they get older and you realize that all of their bills come at the same time. That's yes. scary. Uh, so, five kids. Uh, what are their age ranges and like where are they in life right now? Okay. Will is turning 21 and he is in um, Boca in college and going to become an English teacher. Kylie is 19, got married this past August, and is on mission for Christ on her campus with her husband and is an art major who already runs a photography business. And Davis is our seminal, our alum. Celebration is um, on track as a business major. We have no real idea where he's going with that. And <laughs> he just started college. He is 18. And then our twins are 13, boy and girl, Gloria and Dalton. And Gloria is in seventh grade, making her way through some awkward preteen stuff. And Dalton is in sixth grade kind of the same and we're really thankful that we have some five to seven years with them to really invest in their lives critical ages yeah so you have five kids but today we're going to we're not going to pretend that you have three but we're going to focus on the older three you have three kids that are in college who at this point uh, as you said one is married um the other two just all three solid solid kids who um not only have a love for Jesus still, but really love the church, seem to really love their mom and dad, mm-hmm. and uh, have have not only kept really good relationships with peers, but also with are very comfortable with adults that are much older than them and have a heart for those who are younger. So we're going to focus today more on a college mom's perspective, looking back at what went well, what worked, what didn't work. So you have no idea what questions I'm going to throw at you, so hopefully there won't be giant pauses, but hey, whatever. Love it. Um, so first question, if you had a time machine and you could go back and talk to new mom Jenny, so either still in the baby years with the first one or maybe first, second, or third, but you get to pick that time point. But if you had a time machine 
to go back and talk to that new mom, what are some of the things that you feel like you would really love to say to her? Wow, that's a good question. So I would go back in time and tell her to take care of herself sooner, Hmm. meaning take time to rest and play and restore my sanity within a week so that I can have the energy to parent. I loved having them very close and it was an exhausting stage and probably I would say enjoy it more, you know, really engage in the season that I'm in and celebrate it. I would tell her to, um, we took care of our marriage well and, um, I would tell her to have less expectations of my husband being more than than God is supposed to be Hmm. and go back and just not put as much pressure on him in those early years of, you know, I would show up at his church office and like place my children in front of him. I mean, no one would do that (laughs) if, if a husband worked at a bank and just Mm. lowering my expectations of being engaged with him at church you know that was his job and Mm -hmm. so what else would I say well let me focus on that one for a minute because you you said something really interesting you said you would uh, tell her to not expect your husband to be more than what God is or Mm -hmm. what God is supposed to be yeah yeah not not that I idolize Matt and I did expect more emotional you know, I look to him as being my tangible, emotional, spiritual support. Mm. And I would just go back and really dig into who God is and, and rest in my identity. You know, one of the things is I would get over way faster what people thought about me mm-hmm. in those earlier years of marriage. And and that is a spiritual growth thing for me, right. to, to let God be my identity versus how I performed in other people's lives and was there mm. for them and that sort of pressure I put on myself. So you not only had the pressure of, of being the mom of three kids who are what within like three years? Less than three years. Less yep. than three years. So mm-hmm. three kids and less than three years of age. But you were you were a ministry wife and you know at the time early in your, you guys you were married when you came to this church. Matt came as a youth pastor and pretty quickly into your marriage um, you found yourself kind of thrust in the position of, of being the senior pastor's wife, mm-hmm. which is not what you drove to Stewart thinking about or intending. Um, what kind of additional pressure do you feel like it was um, taking on that role while you're still in such a critical role with your kids? It, you know, this church has been so good about not verbalizing pressures upon mm-hmm. our family. And it was more about wanting to be a great model for other families and um I loved being involved in ministry mm-hmm. so I I would say one of the things I would emphasize to that young mom is way to go asking for support and letting people love my kids so that I could be engaged mm-hmm. and you know aside from the pressure that I put on myself to become really close friends with a lot of women because I I struggle with loving very deeply and I and I love that quality that God's given me and you know there's only so many hours in a week to to love people and just learning the boundaries earlier of my time with my kids matters and I can still do ministry Mm -hmm. so pressures from ministry it would be more like time management and fitting it all in okay without neglecting myself or the kids 
All right, I, Jenny. Before you, before you had kids, because I know you now, you're you're a high functioning individual um, on a professional level, and you worked. You had a career before you started having kids, and I know one of the things that's a a real sense of loss a lot of times with moms is you know when you when you have a career and you're in the work world, there's in some senses instant gratification for what you do you feel like you're really making a difference and then if you step out of that or even you know if you have the blessing of stepping out of that because a lot of people don't they're having to to juggle both of those but did you feel a sense of loss from getting to really dive in on a professional level when you had all of those little ones every day so I did feel like the days were really long mm-hmm. because there were not grown-ups. I taught the high school English while Matt was in seminary, and I was very happy to retire from that. So <laughs> I put in my three years, and I and I do love working so that I have an outlet that's separate from the kids. Mm-hmm. So I would say overall I really enjoyed getting to be home with the older kids. Good. We did not choose that. I didn't choose that with the the two younger ones because they had to be in a preschool program. And so having a part-time career, I kept up even through their younger years. I think I taught aerobics mm-hmm. um, seven to ten hours a week and still had the outlet. Um, so in addition to that just being obviously financially helpful, it was a little bit more mental, mental stimulation to have something outside the home. Yeah, yeah. To, uh, yeah so your brain doesn't turn to total mush. Right. And ministry Were you in the Barney that. years, Jenny? I can't remember. Like what? Blues Clues. Blues Clues in yes. your years. Okay. And Little Bear. Little Bear was the sweetest yeah. show. But... Mine, mine was Dora and Mickey Mouse Clubhouse mm-hmm. for mine. Don't miss those days. Yes. Um, what did you do when you didn't know what to do? Like you run into things that you, you just totally out of your, your league. What did you do at that point? Um, sometimes I cried. (laughs) (laughs) I, you know, something that I really feel like I learned early was asking for support and engaging with other moms who didn't need to do it perfectly. So I would ask for help most of the time. Trying to think of something I really didn't know how to do. I mean, I didn't know how to do the pastor's wife thing, going from a youth pastor's wife to, to, um, really supporting Matt and encouraging Mm -hmm. him in a role that was very different. Um, I usually just did the next best thing and tried to see if it worked. And if it didn't, tried the next best thing. Hmm. So. so as your kids were little, um, what were some of the major influences as far as like your, whether it be books or teaching styles or something like that for the philosophy of how you, how you structured your home or how you raised mm-hmm. your kids when they were little? Are there any particular books or teaching or people that that really stood out as helpful to you? Mm -hmm. We did Growing Kids God's Way and Mm -hmm. created structures for babies, not in a legalistic way. And I I really wanted to have a parent-driven home, not a child-centered home. So we were very conscious of that. And that's probably the best principle we learned about growing kids. Shepherding your child's heart was probably something I picked up when Will was five or six. And that, you know, modeling to my kids that we truly sin at mm-hmm. a young you know sin is real and god wants a hold of our hearts and just kind of letting them see that mom and dad also have trouble yeah. and and need to lean into the lord so that was a great resource there's a book um praying scripture over your children that i would use as a bible study tool and and really journal 
My Prayers for Each Child. Um, I don't know the title of that book. And I'm going to stop there. Okay. Uh, you mentioned a, a parent-centered home versus a child-centered home. What do you mean by that? I, it could be perceived as selfish. I wanted to sleep. <laughs> I was big on I'm going to sleep through the night mm-hmm. pretty quickly, so training them. So those earlier years, I I worked the fitness job in the mornings, mm-hmm. and so I would make sure I was out of the house almost every morning, and naps were just a beautiful, treasured time. And I, I really thought it was miraculous that I would have about an hour and a half, even with toddlers, of quiet every afternoon, and, and that was time when I could rest and get in God's Word and have, have a peaceful mm. existence with a lot of little kids. Yeah. Uh, as your kids got older, uh, what do you feel like, what are some things that maybe, not even necessarily when they were little kids, but somewhere along the path, things that at the time you thought were a really big deal, but now looking back, it's like, ah, it's not such a big deal. I didn't have to stress about that so much. Mm-hmm. I think of Elf on the Shelf. I think it's partly because <laughs> I don't care to do that, but like those things that you see other moms doing mm-hmm. that look so cute and having a perfect front porch and, um, you know, I want my home to be a sacred place mm-hmm. and I don't, I, I didn't care for it to be this perfect little, um, always decorated, right? I, that was not important. And it, it was important, of course, to direct my kids' hearts toward God and, Again, maybe it's because we didn't do it well, but the daily devotions of sitting at the the dinner table every single night, you know, that that is so critical to model and teach Christ daily, mm-hmm. and I can't say we pulled that one off really well. Yeah, that's, uh, I, I'll say the same thing. So here you're, you're hearing from two different pastors' families that this ideal of gathering your family around the dinner table and opening the Bible mm-hmm. um is great and sometimes it happens but but even in our houses it it doesn't it's not it's not the norm with mm-hmm. dinner and you know getting them to not pick at each other and yell at each other and slap each other that feels like a big victory and sometimes when that happens you get to have actual spiritual conversations okay. um i i think maybe on the other side of that more important than you know, opening the Bible every night at dinner. Although if you can pull that off, look, go for it. Mm-hmm. Like if you got that working, then praise the Lord, you need to come in and teach us how to do it. But, but modeling and authenticity in your faith, what are some ways, because you have, you, your kids have grown up, their entire life in context has been as pastors, kids, and as a part of the church. And we know a lot of kids get alienated from the mm-hmm. faith in that uh, what is it about, do you feel like, about your home? What are some ways that you were able to model uh, the same authenticity of, of faith and life in your home as what was being preached about and what was being taught? I think the, what was different from the generation of our parents is apologizing to our kids and seeking forgiveness mm-hmm. when we failed them. And so that's one practice of authenticity. We, I, I tried to think about this, um, I think for... Of the 18 years of their childhood, we didn't have someone living in our home. So we, wow. we spent a lot of time or someone who was in our home on a regular basis weekly. So I think that bred a form of authenticity that we're big on relationships mm. and, and a compassion culture. Just people matter. Um, 
one of the mantras we had is it's not about us. Mm-hmm. God didn't make us to be about us. And we live that, I, I think, and then we lived it times millions when we did foster care right. and adoption. It yeah. just kind of escalated. My sister battled addiction, um, drug addiction from age 14 to 34, my identical twin sister. So that that definitely intersected our faith lessons. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was from Will's birth through, I think, when he was you know 10 and 11 and just really letting them know people struggle with stuff. Yeah. Christians are going to fight battles, and we want you to know about those, particularly genetically. Mental health was something that we were authentic about. Matt and I both have depression that we've fought around, and, mm-hmm. and just letting them know it's okay when you hit an obstacle like that. Yeah. We, we get to ask for help. Yeah. You know, I think it's really wild, Jenny. We have We have a lot of conversations with our kids, um, but a lot of times, parents are most private about sex, money, and conflict mm-hmm. in their marriage. And, you know, what are the things that split apart most families? It's mm-hmm. sex, money, and communication conflict. Mm-hmm. So not ever letting them in on kind of the personal realities realities of these things in your marriage. Like, you think you're guarding, but... But really, you just you're only talking to kids about generalities mm-hmm. for their whole life, and so they really don't have a context right. uh, in, in there. Um, so how do you how do you do that? Like how do you as time goes on? Because you don't want to tell them like they don't want to know every intimate detail. You don't want them to know every intimate detail. But but how do you how do you introduce these things in such a way where they're getting some kind of real tangible idea about it instead of just general principles? Oh, I love that. Um, I have two funny stories that just pop in my head. I'll try to make them quick. So I was in Ireland on a trip when I was 40 years old, and this is just kind of proof that our kids were aware that we had affection Uh and intimacy. So I get home from a seven-day trip, and I go into the kids' bedrooms. It was really late at night and said, you know, hey, Mommy's back. And I remember Davis saying... um, I bet you and daddy need to go have some fun. And he was so little, like he was, let's say 40. He was, and it was kind of a a really cool thing to see. He knows that mom and dad have these connections. Mm -hmm. And um, separate from that would be, would be, you know, talking about purity and and addressing their sexuality from birth. Mm -hmm. And and the resource we used is God's Design for Sex that um, Dennis Rainey has and which takes them through an awareness of they are sexual creatures and God designed us for this and that and this is how that really happened, your birth. And all the way through the the um, age 12 to 14 when we did the Passport to Purity. And um, sexual abuse awareness was something that, you know, was really important to me. And I would say I probably went over the top with that mm-hmm. as a as a woman who had that experience in my past and so my kids would, there was a funny story um, that one of the kids just said, Mom, we, we really have been educated. Well, could you please stop talking about these awkward things? So yeah. I'd rather have erred on the, the side of too much talk. Right, right. Because they're going to get that talk everywhere else mm-hmm. way more than what's needed. So, yeah. um, you know, that's a, that's a balance in youth ministries. I feel like I could talk about 
sex every single week and still not even remotely balance a healthy viewpoint of sex compared Mm -hmm. to what they're talking about. But they need so many other things too. Mm -hmm. Um, And that is why you should not rely on your youth pastor or your church to be the primary source of these conversations. Uh, The church can be a real help, but you as mom and dad Mm -hmm. need to be the ones having these conversations, having these topics, and thinking about the other adults in their lives that can give them healthy perspectives on them too. Yeah, absolutely. And I do think another addition to just teaching them the authentic um, relationships and not having a child-centered home is we were very regular about date nights, you know, and we said things to our kids that other people would be like, I'd never say that. But mom and dad love each other more than they love you. We love you and you matter and you are the most welcome members in our home and mom and dad's relationship. So the security that our marriage offered them, I I do think they struggled a lot less. And we see that with our adopted kids. They didn't have that from birth. And so that was probably a great practice. Yeah. I remember um, one of of my college professors, he was actually the dean of, of the college. I remember him saying that, you know, they found that the number one need of kids is to know that mommy and daddy love each other mm-hmm. and that they're not going to split up. And then the number two need is that mommy and daddy love me. Yeah. And, you know, so it's, it's the opposite of what we would think. We mm-hmm. would think they need to know that they're loved beyond anything. But part of it is they need they need to not be reinforced that they're the center of the universe. Right. And number two, they need some kind of rock of stability beyond themselves. Just mm-hmm. like they need to know that God is one and God is love. And yeah. that, uh, you know, that God has that perfect fellowship in the same way that God loves them. But yeah, I, I think that's kind of one of those very countercultural things that the stronger, the more effort you put into your marriage, the better your kids will be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I give God the glory for it. And I do think that absolutely secures them. Yeah. Jenny, thank you so much. We're going to we're going to have another uh, talk here real soon where we're going to tackle um, anxiety and depression and parenting and, and marriage. And so I invite you guys to, to come back and listen to that one. Uh, again, if you go to the Let's Parent on Purpose dot com website, I'm going to do my best. All of these different books and resources that we've mentioned in here, I'm going to try to go back through and provide links to them. Uh, hopefully Jenny can help me with that. But mm-hmm. thank you so much. It's been a real treat. And I uh, hope you'll come back. And you have to, to come back because we got to do another one right now. So. <laughs> Perfect. Hey, that was fun. Thanks so much for joining us today. And again, go to letsparentonpurpose.com. And I will, in the show notes for today, have links to some of those books that Jenny talked about that were so helpful for her along the way. And I might even throw in one or two that were helpful for me along the way, too. Uh, This is Let's Parent on Purpose. It's a ministry of Covenant Fellowship Baptist Church in Stewart, Florida. If you're in the Treasure Coast area and don't have a church home, we'd love to have you come out and join us. You can find information at covenantfellowship.com. One other thing I would encourage you to do, if you like this program, would you share it with friends and go on iTunes or Android or however you're listening to it and rate it and leave a review. I know it's challenging and hard to do, but you're smart people. You can figure out how to do it. Again, this is Jay Holland. Thank you so much for joining us today. Looking forward to talking to you again soon and wanting to remind you this is a marathon, not a sprint. Don't give up. You're going to do great. Talk to you later.